Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. All right, I want you to open your Bible. Let's have a look in the Bible this afternoon. And uh, we're in Matthew's Gospel, aren't we? We've been there for six or seven weeks now. Part of our, this is part seven of the Sermon on the Mount series. And uh, today we come to the subject that gets most people more scared than any other. Because it's the subject of money. And uh, we're going to look and see what the Word of God and what Jesus had to say about the subject of, of, of our money. It's funny, isn't it? Some people, they can cope with not getting angry. They can cope with sexual purity. They can cope with the discipline even of praying and fasting. But uh, for some people, money becomes this enormous stumbling block to them. And... Uh, but in this most famous of all addresses to the disciples, Jesus doesn't shirk from, from mentioning it. So we're going to look at the whole thing about money, what he says here um, today. And at the end of the service today, uh, there'll be an opportunity. We, um, we were contacted by our friends at Women of worth, and uh, or wow, and uh, Rachel, who many of you met when you did your walk, and Rachel and Andy, who've preached for us a few times, Rachel is shortly about to go to a little trip, Ethiopia and Uganda, I think, and um, we've been, all the churches that have been involved in women of worth walks and been involved with that ministry. I've been contacted by them. Rachel is on her way very soon and she wants to buy some mosquito nets uh, before she goes. And something else, I forget what it was. It's some food parcels. Thank you. And uh, so we had, a, we had some contact from them to say to all those who had, who had some contact with Women of Worth, uh, would they like to uh, give an offering to help her buy this stuff before she goes. So there's no compulsion to do so. But at the end of the service today, there'll be an opportunity for you to reach into your pocket, find a, a note or two or whatever, and say, yeah, I don't know how much these mosquito nets are, but I'm sure they're very, very inexpensive. But as you will be aware, they can have uh, enormous blessing. And uh, so this, is a, this seemed a, an appropriate time to, to do this because Jesus here talks about giving to the needy. He's not talking here about giving to the church. He's talking here about giving to the needy. And this is what we're going to have a little look at today. So Matthew chapter 6, are you there? All those there, say aye. Okay. Be careful. We'll just pick up the first few verses of the chapter we looked at last time and then go deeper into the chapter. So we did read this last week. Be careful, says Jesus, not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, 
Um, give to who? The needy. When you give to the needy, and once again, when you give, not if, when you give to the needy, uh, do not announce it with trumpets. Verse 3, when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So your giving may be in secret, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And we're going to find out before we're through today how the father rewards. And then we pick it up in verse 19. So this is the new reading that we haven't done as part of this series. Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Isn't that curious? Because we all do that. You know. <laughs> That's very curious. We all do that. We all store up for ourselves treasures on earth. He says, don't do it. Because it's a place where moth and rust destroy. And where thieves break in and steal. But, he says, verse 20, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 22, very curious verse, which I hope you'll understand by the end of today. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let's say it's tricky or good luck to you if you try. It's, it's not that. You cannot serve God and money. You can't. Verse 25. Therefore, and this is a key word in this passage. Can't wait to tell you about this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, says Jesus. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life or a single cubit to his height? Verse 28, Jesus said, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these, like one of these lilies. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? You should say that to your wife every Sunday. 
The Bible says, don't ask what shall ye wear. You'll get to church quicker. Verse 32, for the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. Praise God. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Wonderful. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let us pray. Lord, we ask you as we just begin to look at these words that you spoke so long ago. I pray that they will be as real and as powerful and as life-changing now as they were 2,000 years ago. Lord, we want you to speak these words into our hearts fresh and by the power of the living Holy Spirit among us. Lord, we're not here to study a text. Lord, we're here to sit at your feet and learn from you. So Lord, come and sit next to each one of us today. Come and stand next to me and come and be among us, Lord, and speak these words freshly into our hearts again that we might know the blessing of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What is Jesus teaching here? I have three, uh, three thoughts that come out of this passage for me. The thing that Jesus is saying about money. Um, first of all, number one, he's saying this. Now, we're not in any way now suggesting that the Bible does not encourage, instruct even Christians to support ministry, to tithe, to take a percentage of their income and to purposefully put it aside to support ministry. We firmly believe that here. It pays the bills, but it's also in the Bible. And uh, so that's, that's an important part of biblical truth. But this is not what Jesus is talking about here. He's actually talking about going beyond the tithe, if you like. He's talking about doing something in addition to supporting ministry. You remember Paul said those who preach the gospel get their living by the gospel. And the labor is worthy of his hire. It was, it was foundational in the early church that the people gave of their finance to support the work of the gospel. But this is something else again. Instead of It's not instead of, it's something else again. Christianity just got more expensive, right? Um, financially anyway. Jesus said that we should give to the needy. When you give, he said, to the needy. And I want to ask you today, ask, I want to ask your family, I want to ask my own heart and, and your heart, are we, are we very good at this? Are we, are we doing this? Giving to the needy. Uh, today, of course, it's sometimes very difficult to work out who the needy are. And uh, there, we could have all kinds of discussions about are the poor today, living in Cambridge, the same as the poor living in, you know, first century Palestine, etc. We can have a, some questions about whether that's the same thing. 
Um, but nevertheless, there are very clear examples of where there is a colossal need. And in fact, I want to encourage actually many of you who have come from across the seas to take up residency in Britain, please don't become too British about this and start talking about the things that you need. Because actually, yeah, am I telling the truth? There's very few things we actually need. You, know, you might need an iPod, but you don't need an iPod, right? You need food, yes. You need clothing, yes, right? You need to be able to drink, um, preferably soft drink, I mean, you know. But, but other, things, other things we may not need. And I think as, as, as godly people, perhaps we should be, just be a bit careful with our language, that there are certain things that we want. You know, I want certain things, but that's very different to saying I need certain things. When Jesus said we should give to the needy, he's talking about people who lack those basic needs. And he goes on to explain what they are. The, what shall we wear? What shall we eat? You know, what shall we drink? The, the basic needs of life. That's why this passage must be read in its entirety. Jesus gave to the needy. I don't know whether you knew that. At the Last Supper, here's a Bible nugget for you. At the Last Supper, Jesus looks across the table at Judas Iscariot and he says to Judas, what you are going to do, do it quickly. Now I wonder what you uh, would have made of that had you been there. I wonder what he means. And you know, the Bible tells us in the Gospel of John chapter 13 that the disciples automatically thought that what Jesus meant was that Judas, who was the treasurer, by the way, what a treasurer, who voted him in. But Judas was the treasurer. He looked after the money that the disciples had. And uh, that's why he got all upset, you know, when that, um, that lady came in and poured out that alabaster jar. He said, all this money should have been, this, this is a waste of money. Should have been given to the poor. In other words, should have been put in my fund. And the Bible says he was stealing from that fund. So all the Bible kind of fits together like that. He wasn't, Judas wasn't worried about the poor. He was thinking about his own pocket there. But when, when Jesus says to Judas, what you must, what you're going to do, do it quickly. Judas gets up and leaves. And the Bible says in John 13 that the disciples thought that he was going out to help the poor. With the money that they had um, accumulated. Very, very interesting. So Jesus himself used to do this. He set aside a sum of money so that the poor, the needy, um, could, be, could be helped. So Jesus did it and we must do it. What's wonderful is that not only do we do it as well as him, but actually, we're to do it for him because what does the Bible go on to say in Matthew 25? That when we look after people, we're doing it for him, right? When we clothe someone, we're not just clothing the naked. We are doing it for Christ. When we feed someone, we're doing it as though we are doing it for him. And what's really interesting is in the last days, it says, that Jesus will separate the people like sheep from goats. 
And when he separates them, it's nothing to do with what they believed. It's nothing to do with what church they went to or what kind of baptism they had. And I'm not suggesting these things are not important. But in that particular parable, the difference between the sheep and the goats was that the sheep were the people who looked after the needy and the goats didn't. And Jesus said, you, have, you, know, you, you left me naked and you left me uh, hungry and thirsty. Because whatsoever you do for the least, you do unto me. Can you say amen? So we are, we are to give to the needy. Part of, your, part of your income, part of that which you have been able to accumulate. And you understand, I'm not in any way negating tithing and giving to the, you know, the building project. We need huge miracles to happen for us right now. But I'm so convinced that we uh, shouldn't center the whole church on that stuff right now. Do you know, shortly before the local council gave us that huge grant, we as a church gave thousands of pounds to the work of Uganda and um, the work in um, Ethiopia. We gave thousands of pounds that we couldn't afford. And what happened was within uh, maybe a couple of months of that, maybe less, Suddenly the local council blessed us. Can you see how God works? And, and as King's Church, one, of our, one part of our vision is that we should help the poor. And we need to bring this back on the table again and again and again. We cannot help everyone who is poor. Jesus said, the poor you have with you always. We cannot solve all of the world's problems, but we can Change somebody's world. And that's what we should strive to do. Jesus did it. We should do it. Proverbs 11 verse 25 says this. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Today there are all kinds of agencies where people can give so much per month to help a child in another in another. Uh, poverty-stricken area. Uh, we recommend, of course, all the Christian-orientated ones. And there's all kinds of opportunities to do that. We support well Christian ministries from our family. as a way of bringing the gospel and the good news of help and aid and food and clothing and mosquito nets, etc., to people's lives. So Jesus did it, and we must do it. That's the first thing. Giving to the needy. Tithing, yes, to the church. Yes, being a blessing to an evangelist. Yes, sending off whatever money you want to send off to Brother Dingaling, whoever it is that you love and support off the telly. But giving to the needy should be part uh, of our Christian discipline. Number two. Number two, th- things we learn from this passage here. It's the warnings that Jesus gives in the, middle of this, um, in the middle of this chapter. He says that money can possess our hearts. Look at verse 21. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Money can possess your heart. You know what's interesting is, that some people believe that they've got money. The truth is, the money has got them. And 
and instead of us just let's just be a bit careful rather than looking at someone who's extremely rich you know yes yes it's them actually this can just it just easily happen to us that just because we are not as wealthy as him doesn't mean that we are not wealthy i think there's a wonderful website someplace i don't know if it's still available uh but last time i looked at it a few years ago it was called www.globalrichlist.com and what you do is you go to globalrichlist.com and it invites you to put your salary into their engine, their search facility. And it shows you where you are in the pecking order of the world. And most people in this room, even people who are struggling to pay your phone bill right now and worried about your MOT and all that kind of stuff, most people in this room will find themselves in the top richest 5% of people in the world. And I think one of the dangers that we can face, and forgive me saying this, but I just believe it to be the case, one of the dangers we can face is that we never think of ourselves as the rich. Because the rich, oh, that's Prince William, isn't it? He's rich. Or Alan Sugar, he's rich. Or David Cameron, he's rich. Or the guy living in that posh house, you know, in uh, you know, Trumpington, he's rich. But we're poor, but that, that's, not, that's not how it looks globally. Globally, we are the rich sitting here today. And so when we read these verses, oh, woe to you who are rich, we think, yeah, come on, Jesus. Yeah, you tell them. Yeah, you tell the rich. That's right. Well, we're sitting here with more money than we know what to do with, with you know, checking our, 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 our wonderful bank balance on our electronic equipment going, yeah, yeah, the rich, they really need to sort themselves out. We are the rich. We are the rich. Jesus says two things about money. He says it can possess us. He also says that it can be our true God. Doesn't he say that? You you cannot serve both God and money. You can't do that. So that's a very powerful thing for Jesus to say to me and you. You can't serve God and money. In other words, money could could have the power over you to, to possess your heart and to actually be your real God in life. In fact, one of the challenges that we all face in our Christian life is to make God, God, and not something else. God wants to be God. And we are confronted with many, many other types of gods in our lives. The God of leisure, or the God of entertainment, or the God of pleasure, and here, the God of money. That we are actually consumed by. I want to ask you, Do you own the money or does the money own you? It reminds me of a funny story of someone from Milton Keynes. This was funny. Now, I said that it won't be funny. But someone had a posh car in the church and they were a bit ashamed of it. They had a really nice car. And everyone was going, oh, I see you've got a nice car, you know, rich man. And uh, the guy said, yeah, 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 but it's, you know, it's the Lord's car. It's not my car. It's the Lord's car. Oh, really? Oh, yes. The following week, oh, I, I've just seen your nice car. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's not my car. It's the Lord's car. Now, funnily enough, that week someone needed a lift home. And the Lord wanted to use his car. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he won the Lord's car no more. <laughs> so, no, it's my car. You know. 
So we could come up with all this, oh, it's not my money, it's the Lord's money. Oh, it's not my home, it's the Lord's home. Well, maybe the Lord wants to use his home. Maybe the Lord wants to use his money. <laughs> and then suddenly, oh no, let's have a dispute about, uh, about who owns this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. People get worried about, well, do you really believe that 10% of my money belongs to God? No, I don't. I think all your money belongs to God. <laughs> and all of my money belongs to God. It all belongs to God. People say, well, I don't know about this tithing business. It's a bit Old Testament, isn't it? You're absolutely right. In the New Testament, they, took, they sold everything and put it at the apostles' feet. So which testament do you want to be in? Actually, everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. I shouldn't own anything. In fact, even I don't belong to me. He's bought me with his blood. I am not my own. And of course, we slip away from this. We want our independence. We want to do our thing. And... But this is the Sermon on the Mount. This is, this is cutting-edge stuff. This is where Christianity arrives in our hearts. That rich young ruler, you remember him from Mark chapter 10, who bounced up to Jesus. I've obeyed all the commandments. And Jesus knew what his problem was. He said, one thing you like, why don't you sell everything and then you can follow me. And the man went away sad. Why? Because he already had a God. His God was his money. You see. Now, not everyone, not everyone has this problem. I've met many people who are colossally generous. They clearly are not possessed by their money. I've met other people who are completely possessed by their money, and most of us are somewhere in the middle. But uh, God wants to be God rather than rather than money. What does 1 Timothy 6 verse 10 say? The love of money is the root of every kind of evil. The world have misquoted it, by the way. The world misquoted it and say that money is the root of all evil. It's not. Money's neutral. Money is just something that's made at the Royal Mint. Money is just mathematics on a, on a page or on a spreadsheet. But the love of money, that, that money could be our goal. I, I've got to get money. I've got to get more than I need. It can cause us to tell lies. It can cause us to trample on people. It can cause us to be pulled away from God, etc. Why do you think the Bible says it's really hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven? Because the, the money they have has got the power to consume their heart. And the money I have has got the power to consume my heart. Therefore, I have to say no no, 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 I do not have this money. I do not have this money. This money does not have me. And this is this very interesting verse. Verse uh, 22, have a look at it please with me. Matthew 6 and verse 22. The eye is the lamp. I remember reading this years ago and thinking, I don't understand this. What does he mean? The eye is the lamp. Of the body, if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. Well, this whole passage is about money. See? Verse, um, verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, 
God or money. So this whole thing about the eye being the lamp. He's talking about whether your eyes are upon money or upon God. And if your eyes are upon money, then how great is the darkness within you? It's really sobering stuff. We know that money doesn't make people happy, don't we? Many times it doesn't. All these lottery winners, now their families are fighting. and Now they gambled it or now they're depressed. Or it just doesn't, doesn't. These multimillionaires, it doesn't seem to bring people into a, a state of happiness. Sometimes gives people more problems. And of course, you know full well what happens in life, that as our standard of living goes up, as our, as, our, as our income goes up, we tend to live just slightly beyond our means. So that all the time we feel, oh no, I haven't got any money. And now I've had, a, I've had an increase, so now I increase my standard of living. Oh no, I'm just slight. And all the time we're wandering around going, oh, if I were a rich man. You, we are rich people. Spending money to get things we don't want to please people we don't even like. (laughs) Now our eyes should be upon God, not upon gold. Finally, finally in this comes this key word. and, And if you've never considered this before, I hope it will bring a revelation to your heart. There is a word that changes this whole uh, passage. And it's the word therefore. And it appears in verse 25. Have a look at it. Therefore. Memory serves the Greek word is un. In our language, O-U-N. Un. Therefore. And if you're a good Bible student, you'll know that whenever you, whenever you see a therefore, you should ask, what is this Therefore, the word therefore means because of this. My car has broken down, therefore I am walking home. Hopefully that's not a prophecy. Because of this, I am walking home. Right? Uh, There is no food in the fridge, therefore I'm going to phone and get a takeaway in. Because of this, hopefully that's a prophecy, uh, but because of this, um, I, I, you know, I, that's what therefore means, because of this. The harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, because of this, to send out, thrust out laborers into the harvest field. So no one can serve two masters. Jesus says in verse 24, you cannot serve both God and money. And then verse 25, because of this. Because of what? Because of what he just said. Because he's talked about people whose treasures are, they want to store up for themselves on earth rather than in heaven. Jesus then goes on to say, because of this, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Who's he telling not to worry? Christians? No. He's telling people who give to the needy. Don't worry about your life. People who give to the needy. Don't worry about your life. He's not just talking it um, to everyone. 
You can't rush out onto the streets now, grab someone from Adam and Eve Street. What a good name, by the way. And grab them and say, this is what God says to you. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about anything. That, that, wouldn't, be, that wouldn't be true. They've got a lot of things to worry about. Who's Jesus talking to? He's talking to the people who give to the needy. He's talking to the people who don't make money their God. He's not talking to people who, who hoard things because he's already said that people who hoard things, be warned, moth and rust destroy. In other words, people who hoard things, worry ye much, as it says in the King James. But here, to people who get this right, who don't, who are not owned by their money, to people who do not serve money, but give to the needy, not wanting it to be announced with trumpets. He says, the Father will reward you. Well, here we find out how. He said, do you, don't you see, if, you, if you're going to be a giver, what are you going to start thinking about? You're going to start thinking about, well, what am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? You see? It's Jesus says, but you don't have to worry about that because you're going to seek first the kingdom of God. And then all these things will be added to you as well. Praise God. It's so interesting. Because people say all the time, well, you shouldn't really preach this because then people give in order to get. The truth is that you, it's very hard to find a passage in the Bible where the people give and they don't get. And it's exactly the same here. Because if you're going to give, you're going to need God to bless you. If you're going to be generous on every occasion, you're going to need God to make sure provision comes to you. Because you're a giver. You're a pipe. And a pipe needs a flow going through it. Therefore, so these promises apply to the givers. Particularly here. They're those who give to the needy. There are different ways to give to the needy. Some, one way is financial. Another way is to go and paint someone's wall. <laughs> right? There's lots of ways to give to the needy. One way is to go and join, you know, the, the soup kitchen. One way is to go and uh, become a street pastor and go and help. It. These are all ways to give. It's not just a financial gift, but of course fi- money does make the world go around. Everything costs money. So, there, there, of course, there's a financial issue here, but there are other ways to do it. There are other ways to do it. But all these promises of, you know, consider the lilies, and they are all dressed wonderfully. God clothes them, etc. These are not just carte blanche promises to Christians. They are not. I wish they were, but they're not. They are promises to the givers. Sometimes we can hold on to our pound coin so tight the queen gets tears in her eyes, I tell you. There's blood coming out of my hand. I'm holding on to this two pound coin. I might want a coffee later. You know, I'm holding on to this ten pound. I might need it. Don't know whether we'll need it, but we might want it. Just jump ahead of ourselves with the final minute of my time. 
Just, just tip over into chapter 7 and verse 24. We'll look at this, of course, later in our course, in our teaching studies. But it just bears just a brief mention now. Because here we have the parable of the wise and foolish builders. I'll say this again in a few weeks' time, so forgive the repetition then, but the wise and foolish builders are not the Christian and the non-Christian. That's not who they are. The wise and foolish builders are, verse 24, those who hear these words of mine and put them into practice. Well, there's plenty of Christians, and sometimes that Christian is me too, that do not put all these things into practice. So just because we're a Christian doesn't mean that we are putting everything into practice. We, we appreciate that. But here Jesus says to them, those who put these things into practice are going to be like a house built on the rock. In other words, uh, we're going to have problems. Even um, those who uh, begin to give to the needy will at times have problems. But here's what the Bible says. When the problems come, that house will not fall. It doesn't mean that as we give, it mean, it, that, that we, we go home and that very night, Uncle Bob just sent us a thousand dollars, hallelujah, you know, that it could happen in a day. The Bible talks about sowing and reaping, and these are seasonal expressions. There were times when I sowed and sowed in season, and in season I reap. Maybe not within the same day. But within the, the scope of the seasons, you reap. I just want to encourage us to be good to the needy. I want to encourage us, painful though it may be, to think about, it's not a guilt trip, it's just a reality check of in fact maybe the fact that we just spend more than we bring in doesn't mean that we're poor. It just might mean that we're a little foolish. Hello? <laughs> just because we spend more than we earn doesn't make us poor. It just might make us a bad steward. It might make us a spendthrift. It might mean that we're bad at budgeting rather than we're poor. God has blessed us with wealth. And we want to put these words of Jesus into practice. There are all kinds of ways to do it. We'll take an offering in a minute, but this is just one thing to do. There's all, all sorts of ways to do it that have nothing to do with what we're going to do today. Making sure that some child, an orphan, some place that's enough to eat. Or some widow, who by the way, don't look quite so attractive on the posters, but are just as needy and loved by God. I want you to just think about whether you can or should begin to think about allocating something of your budget To someone who really is in need. Not in need of Sky Plus. Not in need of a new Xbox. But in need of the things Jesus said.
clothes, food, drink. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.